Thank you for checking out Faith City's podcast. We believe you'll be blessed by the Word of God today. So we're continuing today in our love series, The Way of Love. And we've been looking at these two perspectives of life and how to live life. First of all, it's from the foundation of love or the foundation of self. Now, one question we ask in the very beginning is, what is the opposite of love? Well, a lot of people would answer hate. And and I would expect that answer, but really the opposite of love is self. Because love, really, it's benefiting others at the expense of yourself. Whereas the other side, the opposite is benefiting yourself at the expense of others. And we've talked about relationships. What does a relationship look like out of love? If it's not out of love and it's out of self, it becomes a networking thing where we network to get ourselves ahead in life. What does service look like out of love? Well, is service out of love because you truly want to do things for people and you're not even thinking about, hey, I'm given to get, you know, that kind of thing? He talked about that last week, you know. Do you give that birthday present or that present to someone expecting that they'll give you at least that good of a present when your birthday comes around, right? But that's not love. That's self. It's, it's an image of look what I've done. We're going to talk today, though, about worship. This is probably... Uh, One of my favorite subjects is worship because I think we've really misunderstood what it's meant. And I want to get a a proper perspective of what worship is when it comes out of love because the opposite of worship out of love is works out of self. I want to turn to John chapter 4. Will you turn there with me? John chapter 4. You can follow along on the screens. If you have a tablet or a smartphone, you can pull up your YouVersion app, your Bible app, uh, go under the events tab. And look for Faith City, Michigan campus. We've got all the notes in there, and you can even add your own. So I encourage you to do that. But Jesus said something in John chapter 4, and it's pertaining to worship. And I think this is something that we need to key in right here. He said this, but the hour is coming, and now is, when the, listen to this, true worshipers, say that with me, true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such To worship him. What's he seeking? True worshipers. Let's look at this today. What does it really look like to worship, to have true worship out of love? Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you once again for an opportunity that we can look into your word. We don't take this lightly. This is a serious time in that we can really peer into your word and and see what it is that you'd have to say about worship today. I pray that as we even walk out of this place today, we'd have a better understanding of what it means to worship. What it means when you ask us to worship you. Have your way, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Amen. You know, I've been playing music for a long time. I've been a musician since I was 12 years old. I really had, I think it was eight years old, I got the bug. I started hearing music, and I really got interested in it. I was kind of just this creative kid, didn't really want to have to settle down and do school books or textbooks. At 12 years old, my, my dad said to me, he says, hey, uh, uh, w- listen to this. We need a bass player at church. Do you want to play bass? And I'm like, yeah, that'd be so cool. I want to learn how to play bass. You know, that'd be so cool because I would see all these guys up on stage playing bass. Until about one to two weeks into it when I had blistering fingers. And my dad would say, did you practice today? And I'm like, no. Didn't have calluses yet. I mean, these things are like steel now after 30-some years of playing. But when I was first learning, it was tough. I mean, my dad would say, come on, son, push through. You got to do this. You committed to it. I want you to do it. He's probably thinking, I need a bass player at church. I really want you to do it, right? 
And so, look, at I'm still playing bass today at church. It's amazing how that works. Thanks, bud. He's a bass player too. It's amazing when we push through and why we push through to do things, isn't it? You know, this opened up so many doors and opportunity for me. Uh, I joined a band when I was in my uh, teenage years, and, and we ended up just playing all over the place and eventually getting a record deal. And I've been able to play all over the world in different bands and do a lot of different things I never would have experienced before. The smallest crowd we ever played for was one person, and it was a sound guy. Great promotion that club did, right? I'm like, yeah, yeah, you like this? Yeah. You point the, I mean, what do I do? I got to get into it. I got to enjoy it, right? Yeah, we're going to flick, flick the belt. Is that what they call it? Tickle the belt. So one person. But then I played for crowds up to 20,000. So it's been in this amazing time. Well, we were playing this festival, and, and we were in this, uh, this tent, and there were different stages. And there was about 1,000 people crammed into this tent. And it was just like, sometimes the best places to play were like the smaller venues were just packed, 500 to a couple thousand. And it's like the crowd just going crazy and you're loving it. And so I was so into it. I'm just rocking out. I'm enjoying it. Yeah, this is awesome, right? So we get done with the last song. I take my bass off. I'm just pumped. You ever been there? Like, you're just pumped. So I take my bass off and I go running. And I'm like, I'm going to stage dive. This is going to be so cool. So I'm running, and I go to stage dive, and I go off. And right as I'm jumping off, I thought, you know what would be really cool? Just put this over the top to be like, this is the best bass player I've ever seen. I'm going to do a flip into the crowd. Yeah. So I'm running, and last-minute decision, I, I catapult off. I flip, and as I come down, now everyone meant well. They really wanted to catch me, but the force in which I came down caused them to not be able to catch me. And I broke right through. I hit and I twisted my knee. Anybody here have knee stuff going on in their life? Say, ouch. That's where it began for me. Good move. I came down. I hit my knee so hard and twisted. I was like, oh my. I wanted to scream like a girl, but I didn't because I had to be cool. There's a crowd here. So I'm like, oh, it hurts so bad. And I get up and they're like, you okay? I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's awesome, man. And then I'm trying to walk back and I look and there's like 30 yards. I mean, it seemed like 2,000 yards, but there's 30 yards to get backstage. And I just had to get backstage. I am hurting, hurting so bad. So I'm walking. I'm like, I can't show it. I can't show it. And I had this little limp. So at the time I didn't know Devin, but I kind of got that Devin walk where I just, I made it some swagger. I'm like, yeah, what's up? Right, right? I just wanted to have a little swagger as I went back. As soon as I get backstage, I fell on the ground, and I'm like writhing in pain. I couldn't believe it. It's amazing, right? Another time I was playing in a blues band, and we were up in uh, uh, Duluth, I believe it was, Minnesota. And there was a crowd of 20,000 people. Amazing day, amazing crowd. And actually, Pete and I, the, the, uh, one of the drummers here, Peter Heist, best buddy of mine, we were playing together in this band. So we're, we're in the middle of this song, and this song is just like, it's not just traditional blues, like a boom, boom, boom. It's like, and so we get in the middle of this song, and I forgot where I was. And when you're in the middle of a song like that and you forget, it's over. So I'm like, what do I do? Ride to A. Any bass players here? Ride to A. So I'm just like riding to A. And, and, and Rusty, the lead singer guitarist, is like this, and all of a sudden I saw, I saw the turn. I knew he turned, and he looks at me like this. He's like, Dude, and he comes up, he's like, yeah, we're rocking. He's coming up, he's like, E, G, C. I'm like, you might as well say Z. I was just baffled. I was lost. I didn't know what to do. See, we practiced and practiced. When I was done with that, my wife was there uh, at that show, and I came off stage, and I was so mad at myself, and I threw my water down, and she's like, seriously? 
you're going to act like a three-year-old right now? I'm like, shut up. (laughs) But I was frustrated, you know? I mean, I practiced and practiced and practiced. And why was this so important to me? See, these experiences would have never came to me had I not started playing and I started practicing. Now, I tell you some of the funny stories, but there was a lot of great shows where things were, I'm a perfectionist and I want things played perfect. I'm like, yeah, we did a good show and things like that. But you know, when we were coming up, before we had a record deal or anything like that, this became a passion to me. It was a passion. Practice was a passion. Every member of the band that I was in at the time, we would either accept or reject the job depending on whether or not it would mess with practice time. We practiced five to six days a week, hours at a time. I took a third shift job just so that I could have time to rehearse from early morning to, late, to early afternoon because we would rehearse and rehearse and practice and practice. Why? We wanted to be the best we could ever be. We wanted to be the best band. We became a really good band. Ended up getting the record deal through it. I'm not here to toot my own horn, but what I'm here to say is this. I never dreaded going to practice. I never dreaded it. Uh, There was such a passion that even if I was tired and on the way there, I'm like, oh, man, this is, I got to stay awake. You know, there were times I had to drive like 45 to 50 minutes after work, third shift. Sometimes I would play a show, then go right into work with no sleep. But I would miss sleep so I could practice. Practice mattered. It wasn't hard. See, I compare it to our life in Christ. We've referred to these relationships and this service and this worship as practices. This is what we do, right? And sometimes we hear the word practices or discipline. We're like, oh my gosh, here it comes. But you know, when you live a life out of God's love for you, that's where it all starts. 1 John 4, 19, we love because he first loved us. When we start right here from this point, doing the practice of relationships or service and worship It doesn't become laborious. It's not heavy. It's not hard. If it is, we need to refocus on why we're doing what we're doing. Are we doing it out of our own self-effort and our own strength? Are we doing it out of his love for us? See, sometimes we get it backwards like, I'm trying to love God, man. I'm really trying to love God. But have you stopped for a moment and let him love you? I struggled with this for a lot of years. And you know, Showing up to church, working with kids or, you know, teaching a class or playing, sometimes it became hard and heavy, but I thought, I got to push through so I can prove to God that I'm okay. So God will see me okay and smile upon me and maybe love me a little more. See what I got into? I got into works. That's a self-effort. Jesus didn't call us to that. He called us to relationship with him, a relationship of love. So how does this flow? How does love flow into worship in a correct way? Now think of the word worship. What image or images come to mind when you hear this word? Maybe it's a church service. Maybe it's kneeling down. It's raising your hands. Maybe it's soft music. Maybe it's a Bible study or a book study or getting together with others. You know, all those, those things are good, and they're all ways that we can worship God. But again, what's the motivation? What is it coming out of? Is it coming out of a love relationship with God? Or is it coming out of self? How many know it's not bad to go to church? 
It's okay to raise your hand. You're not in trouble. How many know it's okay to read the Bible? Uh, We should talk to God. That's what prayer is. But when we make it a to-do list, I must do this this many times this long in order to get God to, we fall into (laughs) self-effort. You know, I have a relationship with my wife. She's amazing. But depending on the season we go through, we may have more or less time to spend together. I'm not offended at her. She's not offended at me. We make sure that we, we, the time we have together is quality time as much as we can. You know, it's the same way with God. He knows we have lives, we have things going on. And sometimes the Holy Spirit is just saying, hey, hey, just spend a few minutes with me. Why? So I can refocus you on life. Because you're not experiencing peace right now. You're not experiencing joy. You're not experiencing true worship and relationship with me. So he'll remind us of this. But this idea of God demanding worship from us, I I think we've missed out. I think we missed something. We've got to realize that God is so much bigger than we make him sometimes. Do you realize when we put God in a box and we say, okay, God needs me. He needs me to do this. He needs me to do that. He needs me to worship him. Like he's, he's got this big ego, and if you don't worship him, he's going to go, oh, nobody worship me today. This is God we're talking about. Do you follow me? I know some people are like, whoa, dude, be careful. Uh, move out of the way. The lightning might strike. Well, God's got good aim, so if he's going to strike me down, it doesn't matter how I move or how I duck. But he's not going to strike me down because that's not my heavenly father. So he understands my life. And the thing is, worship should be an automatic response of love. It should be, what do we say, natural and organic and should flow out. I love what Pete said last week. He said, you know, we refer to this love walk as natural and organic, right? Uh, How many here buy organic food? We try to buy natural and organic as much as we can. We've learned a lot about those things. But how many know that, that if you're over here, this is what Pete said, if you're over here and you don't really know about organic or natural or what it means... Uh, and you've always lived a life that way, how many know that that's natural for you? So for some of us, we may have lived this life of self for so long that that's the natural way of life. That's how we live. So we can say, this is natural and organic, and they're like, what? What we're saying is, this is the way that God really wants us to live out of. Because that side of self, it ends up like a dead end. You're burnt out. Everything you accomplished is what you've done. But over here, it's beautiful because it's you and God in relationship together. And then you have relationships because you truly care about people and service because you truly want to serve people and worship because you truly, really worship and relationship. It's kind of the same thing. Relationships is with people. Worship is relationship with God. And we get to do it together. And then the outreach and growth and followers of Jesus or disciples making disciples, that's what happens out of this. But let's look at this again today. In John chapter 4, verse 23, I want to read this again and, and get a better context. This, context. this chapter begins with Jesus leaving Judea and heading back to his hometown of Galilee. Now, if you look at a map, you can see kind of how the Jews would travel to get from one place to the other. But in this portion of Scripture, Jesus is said that he needed to go through Samaria. Now, if we know the story about the woman at the well whom he met... He knew there was a reason that he was going this way. He was to meet somebody and change their life forever. But through this conversation with this lady where he's basically telling her that she's okay, and he's okay with her. I mean, think about it. She's not just a Samaritan. She's a woman. Now, in that day, women were, you know, they they weren't like up here. They were down here. 
And so what happened here is Jesus says this, but the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. Now look at this word true. Jesus is saying he's looking for true worshipers. True is not speaking of someone who really means it. Like, I really mean this, God. I'm really trying hard to do this. It's not trying to get into an attitude of worship. In the original Greek, the word true means this. Now listen for a second. It means that which has not only the name and resemblance, but the real nature corresponding to the name. Now think about this for a minute. It goes on to say that it's real, it's true, and it's genuine. See, there was this big debate. The Samaritans say, well, we worship God here at this time, at this place. And the Jews were saying, well, we worship God here at this time, at this place. And one thought that they were better than the other. But Jesus was coming to show us something, something in the future, after his death, his burial, and resurrection, that we now could all have relationship and worship God together. In fact, in the message, if we look at the same scripture, starting with verse 21, Jesus said this, Believe me, woman, the time is coming when you Samaritans will worship the Father neither here at this mountain nor there in Jerusalem. You worship guessing in the dark. We Jews worship in the clear light of day. God's way of salvation is made available through the Jews. Then he says, But the time is coming. It has, in fact, come when, that, when what you're called will not matter and where you go to worship will not matter. Do you see what Jesus is saying here? He's talking about the future, very soon to be future, where any and everybody was welcome into relationship with God. But this is key, verse 23 and 24. He says, it's who you are and the way you live that count before God. Your worship must engage your spirit in the pursuit of truth. That's the kind of people the Father is looking for. What kind of people? Listen to this closely. Those who are simply and honestly themselves before him in their worship. God is sheer being itself, spirit. Those who worship him must do it out of their very being, their spirits, their, what does it say? True selves in adoration. This, this is amazing. I, I think we can read over stuff sometimes and we're like, yeah, yeah, that's really cool. So the woman at the well and true worshipers, and that's great. Uh, let's get a burger. But what is Jesus really saying here? He's talking about a time that very soon would be coming where any and everybody had full access to God, full relationship with God. And then he says, you will be true worshipers. He's seeking True worshipers, true worshipers. That word true means you resemble his name. In other words, his children. Think about that. As believers, God says, you are now my son, you are now my daughter. This is a big deal. And and I think it helps us to better understand what worship means when it comes to God. First of all, our nature is that of a worshiper. If he's saying you're a true worshiper, you're the real deal, you're genuine, do you realize that your worship now is an automatic response to who you are? It's not something that we're trying to conjure up or make happen. Lord, I'm really trying to, look at, look at, I'm laying on the ground. Look at, I'm on my knees. Look at, I'm shouting really loud. Look at, I'm really quiet. And we get into what we do instead of who we are. Big difference. And that's how we have to look at worship. Because worship isn't so much about what we do, it's about who we are. I mean, we need to say that over and over and over. Why? Because we have to have an understanding of this. 
This is a relationship that's real and genuine. So the byproduct or result seen of a true worshiper is what? Worship. So it can be kneeling down. It could be praying. It could be singing. Hands lifted high. It could be soft music. There's so many ways that I worship my father. You can be in your car. You could be on the job. You could, now, if you're in the car, don't close your eyes, right, and get too deep in the worship. But it's important we see that. You know, for me, I love summer mornings. I love to grab my cup of French press coffee with just a dash of cream and a little dash of sugar. And I go out on a beautiful summer morning when it's still just a little crisp, but the warmth is coming and the sun is shining on my face. And you know what? That's worship to God because I look around and say, God, you are so good. Thank you that I'm able to live another day. For some of us, it's going out and maybe getting a cup of coffee or a bite to eat with a brother or sister and just talking about God's goodness. We do these things. And it's like you come away and you're like, wow, God is so good. God, you're so amazing. Do you know that's worship? We love to camp. One of my favorite things to do is just lay on a blanket in the grass and look up on a beautiful day where, where it's blue skies with just those big puffy clouds. And I just lay there and go, wow, God, you're so good. I love you. I'm so glad that I have a relationship with you. I'm so glad that there's nothing that I could do to separate me from your love. People get scared when you say things like that. So how much do you do? <laughs> but here's the thing. When you realize how loving he is and how good he is and how gracious he is, you're not looking for things to get away with. In fact, your response is, what can I do? See, that's service out of love. And worship's the same way. It's not him demanding. I was thinking about this. We love to just sit around and, and be close. We're a close family. You know, for my wife and I, we love to maybe watch a movie or just sit and talk. And we like to snuggle and be close and, and hold hands, you know. And there's times where, where I'll just be holding her hand and I'll just pick her hand up and I'll just give it a soft kiss because I love her. You know that the word worship in the Greek means to kiss the hand? Think about that. To kiss the hand. Now, I'm not kissing my wife's hand as if you're so superior, you're so much better than me. Don't beat me. <laughs> I'm kissing her hand because I love her and I appreciate her. And through all my crap and all the stuff that we've been through, she still loves me and chooses some days to love me even when I'm not very lovely. For my kids, it's the same way. It's usually when they're younger. Don't you love your little kids when they just come up, Mommy, Daddy, they're excited when you get home and they want to hold you. For some of us, we're grandparents now. It's kind of the same deal. We get to relive it again, but then we get to send them home. So that's always nice too, right? You know, but my son Ethan was like this. My son Aiden's like this. I mean, there's times where they would give me hugs and kisses and they would grab my hand and kiss my hand all over. And I thought, wow, this is, this is crazy, God, how you're showing me this. I told the story of walking down the sidewalk with my youngest one, one day, and, and he was just looking up at me, and we're just enjoying walking together. He just says, Daddy. I'm like, what's up, buddy? He's like, you're so awesome. I'm like, I am. No. <laughs> he says, you're so awesome. And my heart melted. And then he says, I love you so much. What was my response? Anything you want, dude. Now's the time. <laughs> Do you know that's how a relationship with God should be? And the Holy Spirit showed that to me. He says, when you're worshiping, 
your idea of worship, when you're talking to me, what are some things that you say? And I was like, I mean, I say things like, what do you say? I think, I mean, like, man, God, you're so awesome. I, I love you so much. And then it clicked. It wasn't that my son was bowing down and worshiping me as if I was some type of king. But worship also means adoration. He loved his daddy. And I know that God is big. He's the master of the universe. He's the king of all kings. Amen? But even the children of a king act differently towards the king. If you were a servant, (laughs) you don't bust into that throne room without being asked. Off with the head. Think about this. But as children, you had access to your father, access to your mother. It was a different relationship. You know, Jesus said something interesting. He says, no longer are you called servants of God, but you're called sons. Makes a big difference, doesn't it? So what is worship? It's relationship with our Heavenly Father. And for us as believers, it's a lifestyle. It's not a ritual. It's a relationship. It's not something we do to maybe garner more love or appreciation from God. I love the story of Jesus when he was baptized by John the Baptist. Hadn't even started ministry yet. Hadn't done any miracles. He comes up out of the water. It says that the heavens opened up. What did God say from the heavens? This is my dearly loved son with whom I am well pleased. Wait a minute. Jesus hadn't performed a miracle. He hadn't. Wow. So maybe he's trying to get a point across. You as a son, you as a daughter of God, he's saying to you today, despite all your issues, you are my dearly beloved son or daughter with whom I am well pleased. How could he be pleased with me? My actions don't always line up with who I am. But he's pleased with you because he's the one who created you. He's the one that made you brand new at the core, righteous and holy and pleasing and acceptable. That's who you are. See, even with my kids, I might be disappointed with their actions at times, but I'm never disappointed that they're my own. I would never disown my child. God forbid. Are we better parents than God? See, worship is all about relationship. So the question here is this. Are we just doing religious works? Or are we engaged in a loving relationship with the holy and loving God? Loving worship is the practice of relationship with God and his family. The Apostle Paul said this in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Starting with verse 1, he says, Will you put up with a little foolishness aside from me? Please, just for a moment. The thing that has me so upset is that I care about you so much. This is the passion of God burning inside me. I promised your hand in marriage to Christ, presented you as a pure virgin to her husband. In other words, he said, I presented the gospel to you. I showed you what it was all about. You said yes to Jesus, and I presented you to him, and now you're in relationship. But then he says this, and now I'm afraid that exactly as a snake seduced Eve, With his smooth patter, listen to this, you are being lured away from the simple purity of your love for Christ. Wow, Paul, what are you saying here? This is a big deal. Paul's saying that your love with Jesus Christ, his love for you, you know, you can only love because he first loved you, right? 
you're forgetting about this. You've lost focus. You're being lured away. Think about Adam and Eve. I love that he uses this reference because what did Adam and Eve really do? Think about this for a minute. When it really comes down to it, brass tacks, they were questioning whether God really loved them or not. Does God really love me? And the enemy came right in to say, you know, does he really love you? Because he's saying these things, but leave it up to the enemy. He always gets his big butt in the way, right? But it really comes down to this, does God really love me? Because here's the thing. We say, have faith, trust in God. But if you don't think God really loves you, you can't. It's impossible. You can't trust somebody if you don't think they really love you. If you don't think they have your best interest in mind, if you think maybe they're kind of saying, yeah, I love you, you know, getting you with the carrots and then they're going to get you with the stick. But that's not God. Worship practices and disciplines are not works. See, worship and works are not the same thing. They're never duties, obligations, or requirements set forth by God. Rather, they are personal and relational expressions to God of love because of his love for you and your love for him. And it's all in recognition of who we are in Christ. That's what we say over and over and over from the pulpit here, from this platform, from this stage, who are you in Christ? Do you know who you really are in Christ? Worship is not as much about what we do for God, but about what God has done for us and who God has made us to be. The final uh, scripture reference in Galatians, let's turn there, Galatians chapter 5. I love the Apostle Paul. His letters were amazing. He really wanted to get this point across that worship is not rooted in what I do for Christ. It's rooted in who I am in Christ. There's a big difference. But he said this in Galatians chapter 5, verses 4 through 6. He says, I suspect you would never intend this, but this is what happens. When you attempt to live by your own religious plans and projects, what happens? You are cut off from Christ. You fall out of grace. Now stop there for just a second. Because I heard some heavy gulps, like, "Uh uh-oh, Christ is going to cut me off. We we need to understand here what he's saying. He's not saying that you're losing your salvation. He's not saying that God is leaving you. He's saying, where is your focus? When you're attempting to live by your own religious plans, you know, do it through self on your own, your focus changes from him and his love to yourself and what you can do for him. And then he says, you cut yourself off from that life flow. How many know Christ is our life? He's our strength, our ability. I mean, he, he's given us brand new desires. That's why we desire to do different things than we used to do. But he was saying is you're cutting yourself off from that relationship. Christ isn't cutting himself off. And then he says this, I love this. You have fallen from grace or you fall out of grace. Where do you fall to when you fall out of grace? You fall to yourself, your self-effort, your works, what I have to do to be okay with God. He says this, meanwhile, we expectantly wait for a satisfying relationship with the Holy Spirit. You know, doing stuff for God out of self never satisfies. Maybe for a little while, you're like, wow, look at everything that I'm doing. But when it's in your own strength, your own ability, your own effort, it's not satisfying. Meanwhile, we wait for a satisfying relationship with the Spirit. What's that come out of? Out of love. And people say, well, you know, you guys preach love and you preach grace. But I mean, isn't there something to do? Absolutely. We do service. We do worship. We do relationships. 
but we do it out of love. You know, it, it makes it easier to do. It doesn't mean it's not hard at times to follow through. How many know we have flesh? We get to make a choice to walk according to the spirit or according to the flesh, right? So it's not always easy, but what makes it easier is when we realize this love relationship that we have with God. That's the basis of everything. Pastor, you keep going back to this love thing. Yeah, because that's what matters. Everything you do has to come out of this love or else it comes out of self and you will get burnt out. I'm telling you, I've been there. See, Jesus didn't die for us to practice religion. I say this a lot, but he didn't invite us to religion. Come on to me and I'll give you more religion and a bunch of rules. No, no, no. He died so we could have a loving relationship with God. A loving relationship with each other in a transforming relationship with his word. Do you really know that your dad, your father, God loves you? Do you know that you know that you know? Will you bow your heads with me? Heavenly Father, we... Man, sometimes life can throw so much at us and we get so preoccupied with things and stuff and issues. And we forget that the focus needs to be on you. You said to cast our cares on you because you care for us. You're our source of comfort. You are our ability. You are our strength. I pray today that we would refocus on you and your love for us because the Apostle Paul, he he actually challenges us to measure the height, the width, the breadth, the depth of your love because he knows it's so big, it's so vast, we never can. But if we're in the middle of that love, it makes life so much easier. And I thank you, Lord, that you don't just sweep our stuff, our emotions, our our issues, our real life, like issues and struggles under the rug. You're there to walk through every step with us because you truly love us. It's an amazing way to live. For more information about our ministry here at Faith City, check out faithcity.tv.